You're very welcome along to episode four of the Bench Warmers podcast, co-production with Corks Red FM. Uh, Neville can't make it today. He's actually on the bench somewhere warming it <laughs> for his rugby team. Aidan joins us for the first time in studio. Yeah, how are you getting on, Rory? Okay, all good, buddy. All good. It's all good. It's good he is actually he is actually war- warming the bench. That's that's really ironic. So the bench warmer himself, yes. the main the the head honcho bench warmer, yes. is now warming a bench somewhere today. That's why he can't be with us. That's fantastic. That's quality. Uh, we'll try and find out how uh, Neville's game. Uh, uh, went a little bit later on in the show Uh, plenty to talk about on the show tonight we're going to be talking about uh, Man United and Louis van Gaal is it time for him to go we're going to recap uh, the FA Cup we're going to look ahead to United's game against Shrewsbury tomorrow so all that's come and we're going to talk rugby as well and we're actually going to start with rugby because we are joined on the line by uh, former Irish international former Ulster star Stephen Ferris Uh, Stephen how are you sir? Yeah very well thank you not too bad just out of the gym Um, just going to Get myself ready and, and and head down to the Ulster match, kicking off at half two today. So um, the weather's not too good. I'm not sure what it's like down where you guys are, but it's pretty miserable up here. But hopefully we see a bit of rugby today. It's always sunny in Cork, boys. Always, always sunny in Cork. <laughs> I've been in Cork. You're, you're telling a few fibs, lad. <laughs> First off, Stephen, let's talk to me about your autobiography, Man and Ball. I mean, like, how did the whole project come about, and when were you approached to do the book? Yeah, well, um, I suppose. I never really thought I'd have a, an autobiography out by the age of 30, but um, as soon as I hung the boots up, um, I was approached about you know the kind of story that I had to tell. And um, my ghostwriter Patrick McCarry um, was was uh, you know great in, in getting the, the thing off and running. And and then when it did get off and running, that, that's when, that's when the hard work started. You know, it's it's easy enough um, to sit down and uh, and get all your thoughts and ideas out on paper. It's it's all the the promotional work and uh, mm. trying to get the book out there as much as possible, especially around the World Cup when it was a really, really busy period for, for rugby in general. So, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of hard work, but, you know, I'm really happy with the end product and thankfully it's going pretty well for me. To play for your uh, home province of Ulster and uh, I suppose to win a Celtic League title as well with them, that must be um, fantastic. You mentioned that in the book, but that must have been a great achievement for you. Yeah, it was. Look, listen, when, you know, it was only a, only a young, young fella back then and David Humphreys kicked the drop goal in the last minute to, to win that match for us over over in Swansea against the Ospreys and I suppose I thought we were going to win a lot more trophies with Ulster over the, the, the years especially um, you know I, I thought when I, when I hung up the boots I'd have two or three league you know winners medals but that, you know, that wasn't the case and we didn't really kick on from that but um, hopefully the lads are, can do that this year but for me it was it was a great experience back then um, and you know I learned a lot from it um, but obviously didn't capitalise on it with Ulster uh, due to not winning any more silverware mm-hmm. But uh, it's looking good for us this season. They're doing pretty well in the Pro 12. They are. They're doing fantastic. I think, you know, the sign of a good team um, is, you know, when they're not playing that well, but they're still grinding out the wins. And it's very interesting to see Paddy Jackson start today for Ulster and wear the captain's armband. I think he's been such an influential player for Ulster over the last three or four weeks. And, um, you know, kicking last-minute penalties, coming on at half-time, having been down in Ireland camp all week and then having to put in a performance to try and win also the game and and he's been doing that and um, playing very very well Ulster in general they're going good um, I just hope they save their 80 minute performance for the final um, over in over in Edinburgh I would take that all, all, all season long but I think they're doing a big performance although today I'm not 100% sure how it's going to go with these weather conditions it's, it's it really is very very miserable here a, a lot of rain last night so um, I'd say it's going to be a bit of a struggle against a Scarlet team who 
are also going pretty well. Mm. Uh, but yeah, as you said, they're also going, going going extremely well this season. And, and like Connacht, uh, they just need to try and keep the momentum going. Yeah, it's amazing to see three Irish provinces uh, holding the top three spots at the moment. Munster, though, by contrast, are having a bit of a difficult season. Yeah, they are. Uh, I've, I've actually watched a lot of uh, Munster this, this season and uh, watched their match against Glasgow, uh, which again was in absolutely shocking conditions. Uh, but both teams... Both teams kind of tried to throw the ball around a little bit, and I really was hoping that Munster were going to come through and win that there because it would have been a great boost uh, that for Munster Rugby because I think it's needed needed at the minute. Um, although Glasgow, who have been struggling this this season, maybe this that, that win against Munster might kickstart their season. So uh, still all to play for. For me, there's possibly six or seven teams that can make it into the top four. Um, hopefully. Connell Ulster uh, and Leinster can, can, can keep driving on and, and secure a top four place, but never write Munster off. And when they get some of their international players back in the fold, and hopefully they can push for a top four. But as you alluded to there, it's, yeah, it's, been, a, it's been a difficult time for, for Anthony Foley and, and a lot of the Munster fans are you know, uh, pulling their hair out, some of the performances over, uh, over over the last couple of months. And even that performance down in Cork uh, against the Ospreys, you know, you just expect Munster to win that game uh, week in week out and it's just uh, it's, a, it's harder viewing than previous years that's for sure Well the Munster form hasn't been too good a lot of the um, the players within the Ulster camp are playing very well Paddy Jackson is playing well Luke Marshall Craig Gilroy I think um, are all yeah. looking at uh, some uh, some further caps but I think the, the, the most um, I suppose what everyone's talking about really is, is Stuart McCluskey where do you stand on him and, and, and his role within the Irish team at this stage? Yeah look I think it's it's a difficult one um, before the Six Nations. Um, it was a difficult one, but for me, it's not a, it's not a difficult one now. Um, it, you know, let's call a spade a spade here. We're not going to go on and win this championship, so maybe it is time for Joe to um, experiment a little. Um, I think he heard during the week. Maybe it is time to see what the big fella can do. I think those were his words. But uh, before the Six Nations, Robbie Henshaw and Jared Payne have been tried and tested, performed very well over the last couple of years. Um, so why wouldn't Joe stick with what he knows? Uh, so I kind of respect that decision, but at the same time, you know, I think the opportunity is there now for Stuart to come into the Ireland fold and, and really put a marker down. He's, he's without a doubt, has, has been the informed centre within European rugby. Uh, most metres gained, most turnovers, most offloads. You know, he, he's uh, he's been on fire, and he really has, you know, cemented his, his name on the number 12 shirt for Ulster. And can he do that for Ireland? You know he's going to have his work cut out because I think Robbie Henshaw's um, probably a little bit more um, efficient in, in defence um, and you know a little bit more experienced. But I think uh, the time is now for Stuart McCluskey to step up. And I don't know what, if you guys agree with me, but uh, are the Munster fans and Leinster fans and everyone down south of the same opinion? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, himself and Gary Ringrose have been have been lighting it up really. But where do you stand on the whole? You know, if if they're like their quality is good, it doesn't matter about their age. Where where do you stand on that whole thing? Yeah, um, it, it, it is difficult, but you know, Six Nations for me and international rugby is all about winning. It's all about it's all about getting the result. You know, Joe Smith isn't didn't go into the Six Nations going right. Well, this is as, as an ex- experimental year where we'll throw in um, this, that, and the other. He wants to try and win three in a row, um, so he's thinking about doing that with his team that he's kind of stuck to over the last couple of years, barring the injuries that have now come into play, but um, yeah, if you're good enough, you're old enough, and that's the way I was always 
you know, brought into things as well. Uh, you know, I was 20 years old when I first got my Ulster cap, you know, running around against men. 21 when I played against uh, Pacific Islands at the last game at uh, Lansdowne Road against huge, huge men. And yes, I did feel like a, a bit of a boy, uh, but at the same time, it was a great learning experience for me. And, uh, and you know, I thankfully kicked on from that. But look, Stuart McCluskey, um, is just as big as any other player out in that pitch, and you know you don't have to worry about size or anything like that with that fella, and that's why I think he would be able to fit fit straight in. And you know whether you go with Henshaw and um, McCluskey in the centre and, and move Jarpian to full back, um, a lot of people think Jarpian's best position is full back. Um, I know he doesn't really mind playing either position, um, but you know is Rob Carney losing a wee bit of form recently? Uh, maybe, maybe so, but. Uh, be very, very interesting to see what Joe Smith goes with in the, in the coming weeks. Yeah, because the fans have been calling for Joe to change it up a bit, as especially as they say now that the, the Six Nations appears to be beyond us. But is he likely to do that, or is he going to dig in his heels and just stick with what he does best? Oh, good question. Uh, you just don't know with Joe. I think nobody thought a couple of years ago that he was going to play Robbie Henshaw and Jarpian uh, together in the centre. So you just don't know what he's going to throw out. But for me, um, I would be... Uh, I'd be thinking the same as all the fans. I think it's I think it's time to, to get Stuart McCluskey on the pitch, get Paddy Jackson, who is, if you're picking on form uh, this season, has probably been the best uh, number 10. Um, I know Johnny Saxon brings all the experience and uh, you know uh, has so much quality, and he does bring it to the big game. Uh, but if you are picking on form, you know Paddy Jackson will probably slip in there ahead of him. So uh, it'd be interesting to see if he goes with Paddy Jackson, Stuart McCluskey, even look at guys like, I know I've got my Ulster cap on at the minute, but you know, guys like uh, Luke Marshall, who has been outstanding as well. And then there's obviously Craig Gilroy, who, you know, has been lighting it up, as you said, for, for, for Ulster over the last couple of weeks. So, um, big, 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 uh, you know, I, I just think, I think he's going to mix and match it slightly. I don't think he's going to change the team around that much. However, I definitely think that Stuart McCluskey's going to get capped in the next week or two. Let's look back at the uh, at the French game, Stephen. From a forwards point of view, is it just a, a simplistic view to say that they were just beaten up up front and the scrum didn't work? Um, I'm not sure about that. I think, I think as you seen from the first half, Ireland were dominant and, and on top up front, and then obviously France changed their front row and it, um, you know, the tide turned slightly. Uh, but I, I thought they'd done enough to, to win the game. Um, maybe just didn't close it out. But for me, it's where the, it's, it's it's the bench. You, you bring on your bench to improve your team, not just to try and see a game out. Um, and that's when you bring on somebody like Stuart McCluskey off the bench that can break a line, get an offload away, make that half-line break. And the next thing you know, the French are backpedaling, give away a penalty, and it's 12, uh, 12-5, and, and, or whatever it was, and, and we see the game out, um, where it's just, you know, somebody like Sean Cronin can come on to... You know, in the Indian international match and light it up and he's a really good impact player so why drop him and bring in Rickard Strauss who wouldn't have the same impact off the bench as Sean Cronin you know, why bring in Fergus McFadden when he wouldn't have the same impact as Stuart McCluskey and, and that's, what, that's what irritated me slightly about the French game and, and that's what I was thinking if we get to 60 minutes and it's still a very tight game um, France have a better bench they, they're bringing on boys to improve their team not just to try and see a game out and that's what it felt like and I think speaking to a lot of fans and supporters and, and journalists and everything else that, that was kind of the way it happened and 
bringing Ian Madigan on to, to defend the scrum on your own line and you know he hits in Robbie Henshaw doesn't hit in um, you know Tommy O'Donnell might have got to the nine you know it was just a lot of confusion straight away um, and you know obviously the bench made absolutely no impact and that's not what you want from from uh, from guys coming onto the pitch. Stephen, just away from the pitch a little bit, um, Paul O'Connell announcing his uh, retirement uh, a yep. couple of weeks back. Quite sad that he didn't go out the way he would have wanted to with that in, uh, that injury that didn't allow him to play uh, for his new club. But I mean, like, um, where does Paul rank in the all-time greats for you? Oh yeah, he's. I think he's number one. Like um, for me, as a forward, anyway, you know, he, he was my captain the whole, more or less the whole time I played for Ireland. I know I played under Brown or just good, you know, a good few of my caps. However. Paul was my pack leader. He was the one that I um, answered to, really. Um, and, you know, what a character on and off the pitch. Um, such a gentleman, but the ultimate professional gave it 110%. And, you know, he played with his heart on his sleeve, like, you know, like any proud Irish man does. And I suppose for me, um, I'm sure he's disappointed, but at the same time, I think he got to applaud his career. And, and not think about the injury too much and think about what he has achieved um, because he's also been very fortunate to play the game until he's uh, 35, 36. So um, he's been in you know, various lands, tours, you know, Grand Slam and uh, Six Nations titles. And as you say, nobody ever wants to buy out of the game with a, with a bad injury. Um, but I think he can look back on his career with a, with a smile on his face instead of thinking, you know, what if. Um, and you know, I suppose him and the family would have loved they went away to Toulon for, for a year or two or however way it would have worked out. Uh, but at the same time, I think he can be very proud of, of what he's done for Ashrobe over the last uh, 10, 15 years. We could certainly do with uh, Paulie against the English uh, in Twickenham. <laughs> um, how, do you, how do you see that game going, Stephen? Oh, uh, it's, it's, it's my worst nightmare. Um, the way the game panned out there last weekend against the French. You know, nobody wanted us to go to... Uh, Twickenham with a draw and a defeat um, and it's a very daunting place you know my last international cap was when we got hockeyed and the scrum was under serious pressure um, back in 2012 I think that 2011-2012 and you know Tom Court you know was, was under serious fire from, from everyone that day and um, yeah like, like it's going to be tough you know you, you have to say again the English haven't got as many injury, injuries as, as Ireland do when they bring on their bench, you know they're bringing on the bench to make the team even stronger, and um, I, I, I'm really, really worried about it. I'm not worried that we're going to get beaten by 15 or 20 points or anything like that, but I, I just don't want us to get beaten again um, in, in the Six Nations and then end up, you know, scrapping out a, a victory against Italy and you know the Scottish game. You know the way they're playing at the minute, you just don't know how that goes. And the last thing you want after winning the Six Nations two years in a row is to come. You know, fifth or sixth um, in, in the table, depending on how, how it goes over the next few weeks. But look, listen, I know every Irish fan, you know, isn't that confident about going over there. But we we don't have a bad record, um, and fingers crossed, we can pull out the performance of of the year and go over and you know get one over in the English. But it's going to be very, very, very tough. Fingers crossed, indeed. Uh, Stephen, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Stephen Ferris's autobiography, Man and Ball, is available now. Uh, but for now, Stephen, thanks very much for joining us on the Benchwarmers podcast. Thanks very much, lads. All the best. That was Stephen Ferris joining us on the Benchwarmers podcast. Ed, what a terribly nice guy. Yeah, really nice guy. Fantastic interview. Um, definitely knows his stuff, obviously. And uh, sure, he's been there and done it, you know, for so many years. He's been uh, such a fantastic player for all the Beast of really. a man yeah. to play it as well. Yeah, and uh, a very aggressive guy, you know, a fantastic open side forward. And, uh, you know, pleasure to talk to him. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Um,
he's not too confident heading into that England game next week. What are you? I think I'm like that <laughs> <laughs> reaction just says it all. You're like, <sighs> I think I'm a bit like Stephen. I think I'm I'm not overly confident, but. Uh, Look, um, it's going to be very, very difficult. Ireland have an awful lot to work on, um, particularly in the scrum uh, and particularly in the forward play. And, you know, they have to get tries. They're, they're a team that are not scoring tries and they're going to have to come up with something and score some tries. Well, a lot of that is Joe Schmidt's game plan as well. I mean, like, mm. there is never any offloads in contact. It's just always take the ball down and slow it down and slow it down. It's terrible to watch. Yeah, well, I think uh, Schmidt's, the way he looks at offloads is a good offload is one that comes off. If it doesn't come off, it's not a good offload. But, you know, I was listening to Brian O'Driscoll during the week and he was saying, you know, risk and reward come into it as well. Sometimes you have to take that risk uh, and you have to try and stick an offload. But, look, it's, it's going to be so difficult in Twickenham as well and the forward play, I can't emphasize enough, you know, they've mm. they're got the pack are going to have to be up for it. Um, yeah, we heard Steve mention like you know he doesn't want to lose against England and scrape wins against uh, yeah. against Italy and Scotland. But the way Ireland are playing, Italy would give them a very very decent game. Italy weren't haven't been bad, like, yeah. too bad in the Six Nations, so I mean like, you can't take anything for granted. There. No, they're not scoring tries, worry. They're not. No, this is the <laughs> thing about this team. They're they're. They are getting into the positions and they're working well and their patterns are working. But when it comes into the red zone, when they when they need to get over the line, they're not doing it. And when you can't score tries, you know any team has a chance against you. Mm. So, look, the England game is is a vital game. But you know, I agree with you. I think Italy and Scotland are going to be difficult games for Ireland as well, unless they start scoring tries. I was just thinking, like, imagine Ireland being in a battle for the wooden spoon after winning the Six Nations twice in yeah. a row. It's a, it's look, it's a, it's, it's a possibility. Like, yeah. I'm not saying it's likely to mm. happen, but it is a possibility. It could is, that, is that overly negative? No, it could happen. Like, look at the performances. Um, you know, Schmidt will say, okay, they were lucky against Wales, they were lucky against France as well. You know, you, you could have that argument, but look, anything can happen um, in Six Nations rugby, and I think you know Scotland and Italy certainly won't fear coming to Dublin. Uh, but you know, Ireland into Wickenham, the performance level has to come way, way up. Oh, it certainly does. It certainly does. Uh, we were talking with provinces there as well, and as I was saying, it's great to see three Irish provinces. Take the top two these three spots as of the this recording. Now the Ulster and Scarlets game is a little bit later on, but Connacht, Leinster, and Ulster uh, all uh, taking those top three spots, which is incredible. But Munster's form, um, losing their last two Pro Twelve games um, to Glasgow and the Ospreys, I mean, like they're in major trouble, and it looks like there's going to have to be some major. Um, yeah. Major surgery, I think, in yeah. the summer. Yeah, well, you know, are they in transition? You know, is that is that the label we're we're putting o- over Munster Rugby at the moment? Um, do they need new blood? Yes, they certainly need to get them in. Um, Connacht, of course, is is are, are losing blood. Uh, Robbie Henshaw going to going to Leinster. I think that's how do Connacht feel about that? You know, as a club, as a as a province, uh, to their yeah. supporters, you how do they feel about yeah, that? Yeah, you want to progress and you yeah. want to get up there to the top table, Definitely. and then you see their guys moving to Leinster. It's obviously money related. Like I you know, know, that's the only thing. Like. But Pat Lamb, you know, must be so frustrating for him to be building a squad and building a team. And I mean, they're they're top of the table. You know, they're 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 playing really really mm. well and. You know, it was the timing of this news as well. What did you make of that? The timing of the news when they're playing so well in the middle of an Irish campaign. Yeah, I suppose it had to be released in, yeah. in case it got leaked. Once the decision was and made, yeah. Yeah, sure. I, I reckon like it was going to be leaked anyway. Yeah. It would look very bad on Connacht to Leinster mm. and it would look bad on Hinshaw. Um, I don't um, hold any ill will to Hinshaw. He's got a very limited yeah. time to make as much sure. money as possible from this game. And that's obviously what the Leinster move is, uh, is for. Um, to make more money than he's making a contract and I can't argue with that I don't think anybody could argue with that I mean like yeah. if you're in a job and you're offered more money at another job you're going to take it you're not going to you know yeah. people get passionate over sport because they think there's this perceived loyalty but at the end of the day these guys are employees who need to make money and yeah. they have a very very limited window to do so so I don't think um, I, I, I like 
it's easy for me to say not as a Connacht fan, but like fair play to Robbie Henshaw, he's making the most of his his market value at the moment, and that's what he's done. But it's like me, I'm here with bench warmers. Sky Sports come in for me. I got to think about it. You, you'd say no, obviously, <laughs> of your loyalty to the. the I'm gonna say warmers. no, but I, look, I, I would think about it, Rory. I think very hard about it because you wouldn't be going because we wouldn't leave you. <laughs> all right, that's all the rugby talk in part one. Coming up in part two is Louis Van Hal done. <laughs> Part two of the Bench Warmers podcast, a co-production with Corks Red FM. Um, we're just going to look back on last week. Um, on last week's show, I said that Man United had to go, and I quote, balls out <laughs> <laughs> to win the Europa League. Um, oh, yeah. I sat down on Thursday <laughs> to watch the match, six o'clock. I, actually, I didn't watch the match, I tell a lie. I watched the BT Gold show yeah. so I could watch all the goals going in of the matches at the same time. But for Manchester United to get beaten by a team who haven't played in the, three months... That you had trouble pronouncing their name, weeks, even. Midget land, mutchard, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, hadn't played. Um, made Man United look like the amateurs who hadn't played in how many weeks. Uh, bossed the game. United looked tired, leggy. Um, didn't look arsed. Yep. Lost David De Gea in the warm-up. Fair enough. Yep. Um, they do have a lot of injuries now They do They have a whole mm. starting 11 of injuries yep. Romero came in though He did quite well in goal It would have been 5-1 if it wasn't for him yep. um, But it looks more and more And again we said this in week 1 of the podcast Week 2 blah 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 blah, blah That Louis van Gaal's position is starting to look untenable And yep. it's baffling to me why he hasn't been sacked yep. um, mm. And why Mourinho hasn't been brought in mm. However I think that first off Mourinho wouldn't want to come into this mess now. Yeah. He wants to come in in the summer and okay. just like wipe the sleigh clean. Mm. Uh, and also, I reckon there's a clause in his contract with Chelsea that means he can't work for any English club until the end of the oh, season. Okay, okay. Gardening leave, so to speak. Gardening. <laughs> I can't imagine Jose Mourinho doing the gardening. Yeah, like. I can imagine out there mowing the lawn. Like Marigolds on and like you know, yeah. digging up. I can't imagine him. My but special lawnmower, you know. <laughs> Louis van Gaal's not going to last the summer. No. Um, Bold statement there from the Warmers. Listen, shambolic. Mm. Okay, um, disgraceful, lacking in fight, and when you think about it, they know <laughs> to save their season now. They have Shrewsbury, right, and 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 Mitchelland, Okay, to save their season, it's a huge week, and they play Arsenal as well. Next and week. they play Arsenal, so th- those three games. But I mean, to have those two clubs in there in the same sentence about a Manchester United team is absolutely shocking, and the fans gave it to them. Go to over there in 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 the way leg proper order proper order and you know I think Van Gaal I think he's just it's gone it's the, the dressing room is obviously gone we've sources in the dressing room now saying okay he's lost the, he's lost the players and that kind of thing Ryan Giggs as well though what is Ryan Giggs doing I mean he just seems to be sitting there he doesn't seem to be animated looking miserable yeah I mean or, and then I was thinking is he is he playing a game is he does he not want to be connected distancing to, himself yeah I he, thought that as well yeah is he distancing himself is he saying okay guys I'm just going to sit on the bench and I'm not going to say too much and I'm going to look perplexed every now and again when the camera's on me but I'm not going to do too much because it's going to hurt my chances of getting the main job yeah keep the head down and keep try the and survive down. the call but look the Shrewsbury game now is now a massive game you know it's just funny to be saying that but it is and the Michelin game I mean he loses any one of those games and he has to go Rory I don't care about anything they're going to have to sack him Woodward cannot keep him after that yeah I was kind of surprised like that um, maybe he survived last Thursday because like that performance uh, from what I've been reading about it afterwards was just 
dreadful one of the like you see United fans on Twitter saying that's the worst performance they've ever seen from yep. their club yep. um, that like there's no passion there's no fight there's certainly an awful lot of things gone wrong um, for Man United but, like is sacking Van Hal now the answer because I mean like you're just going to bring in Ryan Giggs and what's he going to do you're going to get a new manager bounce from him I don't think so yeah I don't know but the- the performance was so bad. I mean, Mitchelland could have had another couple. You know, they really could. Uh, Michael Carrick comes out after the game and apologises to the fans um, as captain. And he should do that because for a, a team like United, they shouldn't be going to minnows like that. Uh, I, don't even, I don't even know actually what level you'd put Mitchelland at. Like, they're not... Would they be? Would they be championship? Would be? Would they be League One? I, are I, they? Are they as good as Shrewsbury Town? <laughs> We're going to find out Monday night, won't we? So Just for the record, Shrewsbury Town are twenty first in League One. That's Division Three in old money, folks. Yeah. Um, so it'll be. But if Shrews- United don't get a result tomorrow, if they don't hockey these guys, there's going to be major, major uh, ructions. But Shrewsbury will have no fear. You know, mm. those players will go there. That management team will go there and say, "Look, lads, give it a go. Um, it's the FA Cup. These guys are not playing well." Um, their heads are down let's give it a go and I think Shrewsbury would they be confident going, you know are, are they confident for this time maybe they are yeah, I don't know man it's just uh, I wouldn't like to be a Man United fan now because um, like it's just a bad 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 season and it's not going to get any better unless as I said they got in the hockey Shrewsbury tomorrow yeah they, it took a step closer with the whole Mourinho thing um, the Inter Milan director uh, Betty Moratti she was having uh, lunch, I think, with uh, Mourinho, and uh, as she comes out, there's a lot of reporters there. And her quote is, "No, he's happy now. He's going to Manchester." Obviously, you know. So I, I think you know they need to bring him in. They need to do it. I think maybe Woodward's patience will run out if mm. one of those two results goes against him, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, like the tabloids are having an easy run of it now because they can just write pretend Mourinho stories every day. Like you know, he's signed for Manchester. The tea lady says that she saw Jose Mourinho in Manchester buying socks or something like that. <laughs> well, um, he said he said right now I have respect for every coach and every club. I'm not looking for a club. It's the clubs who are looking for me. No, nice. he's a special one. I think he'd like to go head to head with Al Guardiola again as well. Oh, this. I mean, if he does come, you know, he's he's the perfect guy for that. It's going to be. Uh, Oh, it's going to be fantastic to get the two Manchester clubs bouncing off each other like that again. He's the only guy for United, though. Can you see anybody else? Simeone, maybe? Possibly, yeah. yeah. But I think um, Mourinho is tailor-made for Manchester United. Just come in there. like. And the thing is, as well, and I was only thinking of this, if United don't get the Europa League, they're going to struggle to attract players. However, yeah. if they have a manager like Jose Mourinho who's saying, like, you know, this is my project, this is what I want mm-hmm. you to get involved in, it might make yeah. it a little bit easier, yeah. as opposed to Ryan Giggs saying that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, if, definitely. You're going to, if you're going to a Category A player, yeah. um, top of the range, saying, I want you at Manchester United, this is what I'm doing, yeah. you're going to listen to Jose Mourinho. He's got the pedigree, you know, he's been with the top teams, you know, he has won the trophies, he's been successful wherever he's been. But is Ferguson and, and, and Bobby Charlton, maybe they're saying, no, we don't want this guy. Is, is that blocking it, do you think? Well, their spectre looms large over Old Trafford anyway. I mean, like, the Alex Ferguson stand is directly opposite the dugout. So any yeah. new manager is going to look up, they're going to be constantly reminded <laughs> yeah. of the most successful manager in the club's history. Yeah. And then the stand behind him is going to be named the Bobby Charlton <laughs> stand. Yeah. So, like, they're surrounded by this legacy yes. um, uh, and echoes and ghosts of the past that it's going to be very, very hard to shake. Uh, until they get a league title win, I think that pressure and pressure is going to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And like, I'm not saying that United are going to face a Liverpool situation and not win the league title for for 26 years, yeah. uh, like they had done previously before they won it. But it's 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 not inconceivable either. I mean, like it happened to Liverpool, it happened to Manchester United. So why can't it happen again? Great quote from uh, David Moyes. Oh. <laughs> David Moyes comes out and says, "They shouldn't sack him." <laughs> <laughs> he would say that wouldn't he I think David Moyes is, is a he's laughing all the way like, he's, he's laughing like, into they, his they sleep sack, they, they sacked this guy for me 
Oh, does that mean for this guy? Yeah, I should say. Yeah. I'm just looking at the other results from the Europa League. Um, Tottenham getting a decent result away to Fiorentina. Um, a one-all draw there um, gets them an away goal, which is all they want. Liverpool in a bit of a precarious position, though, with that draw away to Augsburg and nil-all draw. So I'd imagine Tottenham the happier of those two teams there. Yeah, definitely Spurs. Um, gonna be happy with that. But uh, all about the uh, the kick from uh, Daly Alley. He's uh, he's he's nineteen. You know, he's still learning his craft and that. But yeah, you know, he should have been sent off for that. Couple of incidents like, like that. He's he's perhaps a little bit of a hothead. As I said, he is young. He's he's mm. learning the game. But you know, he should have he should have definitely seen red for that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think Spurs will be will be happy with that. Get well, the away goal. Yeah, Gary Gary Neville getting a six 0 win over the mighty Rapid Vienna as well. <laughs> well, what's the story with Gary Neville? I think you know Gary Neville. An opportunity was 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 given to Gary. Not going to say no. Yeah, he's going to take it. He's going to try and get some experience. You know, if he does it in England, he's definitely in a goldfish bowl. You know, because of his um, because of his punditry work and stuff like that. And he's actually an excellent pundit. You know, I think I think he's a good pundit. I think he's got a lot of, a lot of good things that, to that say. That quite obviously means you don't become a good coach <laughs> as a result. <laughs> no. like. But uh, look, he's got Phil in there with him, so they're working together. But uh, yeah, that's that's a big win for him in a guy who's under enormous pressure in in, in a in a really really hot seat. All right, don't want to um, dwell too much on today's FA Cup fixtures because the the other day by the time mm-hmm. um, we uh, published this and by the time you listen to it, uh, quick prediction. Chelsea Man City and we'll see if you're right next week's show going to say Chelsea yeah I'm going to say Chelsea as well Uh, Tottenham Crystal Palace I'm going to go Tottenham Spurs Uh, Blackburn West Ham I'm going to go draw oh I'm going to go for I'm going to go for West Ham on that Ooh, one. Oh, yeah. nice, nice, nice. So we'll see if we're right on next week's show. And as we mentioned, United and Shrewsbury is tomorrow Shrewsbury? night. Shrewsbury? <laughs> Shrewsbury back in Shrewsbury. Who are you going for? I'm going to go for a draw. <laughs> I love the way that like, you know, there's no confidence in a Premier League team beating a team who are 21st in Division 3. Uh, United, hopefully United will, will, will do it. <laughs> All right, uh, that's uh, all the weekend's action. Um, Fixtures-wise, for next week, a couple of crackers, and I suppose the big one is the uh, Capital One Cup final between Liverpool and Manchester City. Um, a massive chance for Jurgen Klopp to get a, a trophy in his first year at the club. Yeah, um, nice way to uh, to endear yourself to the fans, I guess. Uh, are they going to do it? Yeah, I think this is we're in bonus territory, aren't we, for Liverpool mm. here? I think uh, a good cup run has been fantastic for Klopp. You know, he's still building, um, he's still making decisions on players who he wants there um, next year. So a cup win for for Jurgen would be absolutely fantastic. Um, I think maybe they would have preferred to have played Everton in the final uh, rather than Manchester City, yeah. you know. Um, but because City will be good, and uh, obviously they've got some fantastic players there. But I, I just have a sneaky feeling for Liverpool. I think, I think it's going to get the Jurgen Klopp uh, um, era off on a, on a great, on a great thing, you know. Yeah, that's uh, in the Capital One Cup. Is it still called the Capital One Cup? Is it the Milk Cup? Is it the Rumblows Cup? Little Woods Cup. The Little Woods Cup. Something like that. Something. There's something cup. It's not yeah. a Mickey Mouse Cup. Oh <coughs> no. no way. The Liverpool fans are going to be raging. No way. No way. It's not. I can hear them furiously writing emails. <laughs> As we speak. It's important. Uh, Manchester United and Arsenal is the big one as well, but um, a lot of context mm. in that game is going to be taken on the games this week, as we mentioned, yeah. Shrewsbury and, and then uh, Michelin on uh, on Thursday as well. So it remains to be seen what United side will be facing Arsenal. Will there even be a Dutchman in charge of United <laughs> at the time? Yeah. It remains to be seen. Leicester coming back uh, to, to league action. Leicester don't have the distraction of the Europa League or the Champions League that... Uh, Tottenham have that uh, yeah. that Ma- that Man City have and that uh, that Arsenal are, sorry that Arsenal have anyway. Yeah. Um. In, in the in the Champions League, um, they play Norwich next week. They've been on holiday. They've been rested. Mm. They haven't had to worry about uh, games in that. In they have no game this week in the FA Cup. So 
it, it, it remains to be seen whether or not they can do it. Everyone, I think, wants them to yep, do it. Um, that defeat last day out broke them, I think, a little bit. Yeah, You're doing so well, doing so well against Arsenal. And Danny Welbeck, who didn't even start for 10 months, comes up and scores. And yeah. Just uh, Murphy's Law, really, doesn't it? But, um, but that, that was always going to be a difficult tie for them. You know, I, I think... A draw would have been a great result for them, uh, mm. particularly when they played a lot of the game with ten men as well. So, um, I think they won't they won't take too much from that loss. As you say, they've been on holidays. Ranieri's left them um, off the leash a little bit. They've gone on holidays, come back, and when you don't have any European action during the week, mm. you're just working from Saturday to Saturday. So it really really suits them. So, can they if they do it? It'll be just fairy tale stuff, won't it? Yeah, Champions uh, League is fairy tale stuff for them. Really. Yeah, they're two points yeah. ahead. Yeah, I don't. There's no reason why they shouldn't get Champions League. Mm. Um, they're two points ahead of Tottenham heading into this weekend's game, and they, they play in Norwich side. One, one important thing on just on the on the Leicester is them. Their medical team must be doing a fantastic job. You know, they're they they haven't suffered from the injuries to the big players that big clubs actually do. Mm. And around the Christmas period, when um, the games come thick and fast, and uh, you know there's there's a lot of high profile games, that's when your your squad comes into play. But with Leicester, they seem to be you know they have got a, a settled team every week. Yeah, that's the thing. Mm. Um, and as you say, Vardy hasn't got injured. Mahrez hasn't really gotten yeah. injured. Um, so I mean, like if they can keep that run going, there's no harm in it. There's what twelve games left to go. Yeah. They're more than two thirds of the way there. Look at Spurs though, second place and looking harmless as well. They look. Yeah. They're a decent team they to are. watch. They're very well organized. Yeah. They play very very good football. So they have a uh, chance to. Yeah, no reason at all why they couldn't do it. So uh, that's the next weekend's action. Um, it should be an absolutely crack weekend. In the Premier League, all right, we're almost out of time. Um, just briefly, something I want to touch on is um, Conor McGregor fights in two weeks. Yeah, um, there has been no hype. Mm. There has been no build-up to this fight. I mean, like, I think if you were to talk to the average man in the street, they would not know that Conor McGregor is fighting in two weeks' time. I know last year, the year of McGregor, quote mm. unquote. Um, I think people may have gotten a little bit burned out by him. He was everywhere. He was front and centre. He was on world tours. That fight with Jose Aldo that was dragged out, that was cancelled yeah. and refixed. It kind of it went on and on in Aristan. Um, and this fight for Dos Anjos uh, against Dos Anjos, it's coming up in two weeks' time, and there's nobody talking about it. Yeah, it's. I think Conor McGregor is a clever animal, and he's a guy that knows a lot about publicity and mm. self-publicity. And I think when he came into the UFC. He knew that he had the talent, mm. but he didn't, have, he didn't have the hype. He didn't have the backing. So what he did was he hyped up himself to get to a certain level. Even the first Aldo fight, when he, I think he traveled around the world twice to promote that, that got mm. cancelled. The second Aldo fight, he didn't do that much promotion for it. Okay, he did a bit. This, he's after rowing back an awful lot. I think he doesn't have to sell the fight that much. So what he's doing is he's concentrating more on his training. Mm. And I think that's ominous for Dasanya. So I think, like, McGregor... <clears throat> He's such a confident guy. I think, I think he, he just carries yeah, on I like never, that day never, to day. Yeah, I never got that feeling from him at all. No. <laughs> he carries on like that day to day. It's not, it's not um, a front. Mm. That is how he carries on day to day. And that's how he does his business. So this fight's going to be a fantastic fight. I, I, I doubted him. I doubted him against Aldo. I thought Aldo would have too much for him on the floor. It didn't. Obviously, it didn't get that far because it was over very, very quickly. I think Dasanias will take him to the mat. What do you think? Uh, I think he'll try to do that, but yeah. uh, Dasanias has got power. Mm. Um, um, it'll be interesting. Conor McGregor looks huge. I saw an interview yeah. with him on Severe MMA. Yeah, I saw there, that one. Yeah, and he looked absolutely massive. Mm. So um, it's like two different people from the from the Aldo fight, isn't it? He's just. Phew, 
really have to buff me out. Yeah, he looks massive, mm. and he's thought about going up to 170 as yeah. well and fighting welterweight. You wouldn't put it past him. Mm. I was looking at the rest of the card as well. Uh, nothing really stand out. Uh, no real stand out about Holly Holm against Misha Tate. Um, really, really interesting fight. I mean, like I expect Holly Holm to go through her like she did Ronda Rousey, and then set up that rematch with Ronda Rousey, yeah. um, and then beat Ronda Rousey again. Ronda yeah. Rousey was on the Ellen Show last week. I'm not sure if you saw it, and she mm. kind of broke down talking about the defeat. So she looks like she's in a uh, she's had a tough time over it and I think that rematch against Holly Holm is going to consume her definitely I think uh, the preacher's daughter Holly Holm as she's known as yeah I think this is an easy one for her although you know in uh, in championship fights you, you never really know but I think she'll have too much for Tate and the, as you say that's a mouth-watering clash uh, against Rosie again but I think Rosie will win Ooh. in the rematch I think Rosie will win yeah I think I think she's um, you know she, she faces adversity really really well I think the, the defeat has really really affected her and she's not going to let that happen again and I, I fancy Ronda to, to win a rematch interesting mm. interesting indeed alright that's pretty much it from us for today I'd say is it yeah I'd say that's a bit of, I'm just going to walk like Conor McGregor out of the studio there now, so I'm going to do yeah and start mm. throwing stuff around the place mm-hmm. uh, that's pretty much it from us so uh, thank you very much for tuning our way on our podcast which is available on iTunes you can get it on Stitcher and tune in as well and of course you can get it on benchwarmers.ie follow Benchwarmers uh, BE Warmers across uh, everything across Facebook Twitter uh, Instagram and Snapchat and this is produced by Corks Red FM you can follow us at Corks Red FM uh, and at Big Red Bench our sport department as well if you want to get in touch with us we ran a competition on the Bench Warmers earlier on in this week uh, giving away a fantastic prize including a, a Bose speaker and uh, Bench Warmers uh, gear as well and that winner was Connor Phelan uh, he's from Kilkenny so congratulations to Connor on winning uh, the prize uh, we'll be back next week don't know what day don't know what time but we'll be back at some point if Sky Sports haven't snapped me up I'll be back I'll make if they haven't Dave I'll be right? very very disappointed <laughs> alright that's it from us folks good night cheers cheers